A lot of times when I will share with people that I do ice cream, they want to tell me about their favorite ice cream memories or a happy story or their favorite flavor. And it's just a really wonderful moment to have. And so I feel really lucky to get to have a lot of those moments in my day these days. Welcome to the Virginia Foodie Podcast, where we lift the lid on the craft food industry and tell the stories behind the good food, good people, and good brands that you know and love. If you've ever come across a yummy food brand and wondered, how did they do that? How did they turn that recipe into a successful business? Then we've got some stories for you. Hi, foodies. Welcome to the Virginia Foodie Podcast. I'm your host, George Deering, founder of VAFoodie.com, and I provide marketing strategy and coaching for the craft food industry. I'm coming to you today from the Shenandoah Valley, where we are now deep in the heat of July, which means it is hot and humid here in the valley. And that makes it a great month to celebrate ice cream. July is National Ice Cream Month, and we've been talking a lot about ice cream over on VA Foodie. And today I'm kicking off a special series, which I've been calling My Year in Ice Cream. Recently, I discovered Sugar Bear Seville a very new, very fun, and very local ice cream brand out of Charlottesville, Virginia. The brand caught my attention because they're carried by a fan favorite over on VA Foodie, Maribet Cafe, a business that is truly living the good food, good people, good brands lifestyle. And I thought if this ice cream is in their bakery, then it's worth a closer look. Owner Emily Harpster started Sugar Bear this year. And I was intrigued to see a small startup brand that went straight to retail. She's not selling it in a scoop shop. She's not testing it at the farmer's market. She's making her ice cream and packaging it immediately in pints for sale on the freezer shelf at retail establishments. I reached out to Emily to find out what made her start on this venture, going straight from a recipe idea to the shelf. We had a great first conversation. So I asked if I could follow along with her over the course of her first year and discuss the challenges she will face as a new business as she encounters those challenges. I want to know what makes a startup tick, and I want to know how she's expressing her commitment to local sourcing through ice cream production. I also want to understand from the beginning what kind of choices a startup faces. My clients run into so many unexpected roadblocks or new things to learn that they didn't know they didn't know. Speaking to a startup as it's forming is a great way for me to learn more about the mindset of my clients. And it's a great way for you, my listeners, to learn what it takes to succeed in the craft food industry. We had a wonderful first discussion, and she's very open and sharing. And there's so much to learn in this first episode of My Year in Ice Cream. I'm so happy that you're able to join me on the podcast today. And I always put my guests right on the spot and make them introduce themselves. So could you tell our listening audience who you are and what you are about in the food world? Sure. Thanks so much for having me. My name is Emily Harpster and I am the owner of Sugar Bear Ice Cream. I make premium ice cream from scratch using all Virginia ingredients. And I have been in business since April, 2022. 
So you're a newbie. We're recording this in June of 2022. And that is kind of the reason I reached out to you because I saw you somewhere in our Instagram account. I think it was Maribet Cafe. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, look at this. Here's a new brand starting out and she's going right into retail sales. And that's a hard one because they call scoop shops retail, but she's going right into packaged ice cream selling through another retailer. And I thought, oh, I would love to talk to you about your business. And then I also had this crazy idea of following a startup for the first year just to see how they're coming along. And so I reached out to you and I'm so glad that you took this weird challenge of mine. And <laughs> I'm really looking forward to learning more about your business now and seeing where you go. So can you talk to a little bit about your sourcing? You say that you source all Virginia ingredients. So what does that mean to you in the ice cream space? Yeah. So one of the things that I love about Virginia is we have the Shenandoah Valley. We have all of these amazing products. We have beautiful milk. We have beautiful cream. We have local dairies and produce and all kinds of things that are really fun to work with in ice cream. And so I came into this knowing that I wanted to find a way to showcase all of that using ice cream as a platform. And so it took me a while to sort of line everything up because when you decide that you want to go all local, it's some parts are easy and some parts are not so easy. So I was really fortunate to find a supplier called 4P Foods. And 4P is the company that brings me my homestead dairy milk and cream each week, which is what I use to make the base. And then the other stuff I've sort of pulled together a network and pull it in from an assortment of places. So there's a farm right down the road from my house where I got the mint. There's someone I know who knows somebody else at a farm who helped me get some strawberries. There is the fact that I am located in Marie Bet, which makes, as many people know, absolutely incredible baked goods. And I'm right down the street from a coffee shop at Marie Bet that has this incredible coffee. And so started to kind of pull together different products and play with different flavors. You know, I'm in the process of figuring out what works really well and what doesn't work so well and what people tend to respond to. Well, I have to ask you because you're doing local ingredients and you're in ice cream and the two big sellers in the U.S. are vanilla and chocolate, but you're mm -hmm. not grown in Virginia. So what happens to them in your brand? <laughs> well, so I still use vanilla. There are things that are needed for ice cream that are not possible to get in Virginia. So vanilla is one of those things. And I also have to use pasteurized eggs. That's one of the requirements for the Department of Agriculture. And then things like sugar obviously don't grow in Virginia. And so I do my best to source the ingredients that aren't grown in Virginia to source those from local businesses. So yeah. Yeah. So some of that has to do with the science of ice cream, right? Mm -hmm. Just the way that it has to work. Yes. Yes. But when yes. you're sourcing that vanilla and sugar, where are you getting that from? You don't have to tell me specifically, but what types are you putting in there? So the egg yolks, I get pasteurized egg yolks and the sugar. I just use regular old cane sugar. There are some recipes where I will make invert sugar syrup that goes in there. And I try to pick it up from local small businesses. So I've gotten it before from Foods of All Nations. And I've also gotten it from suppliers who are already working with Marie Bet, places like Chef's Warehouse. Oh, okay. Great. And that basically is because I started off using the small business and then it got to the point with the sugar, at least, where I needed so much on a weekly basis that it got a little bit challenging. 
Well, that's a good segue into my next question, which is about your process. I have worked with a bunch of different ice cream brands, and I know that there's such a thing as ice cream school. And I, and I know that there are things about capacity. So can you talk a little bit about the making of your ice cream as a startup? Yeah, sure. So I started very small with a little six quart Italian machine. It's a Lello Musso Ragusa for anyone who might be curious on how to get started. It can handle about three quarts of liquid mix at a time, which generally translates to eh, 10 to 12 pints, depending on the product that you're making. And I bought that thinking that I would be able to work with that for a while and got a little bit surprised by how quickly things took off. People really like ice cream. And I was really fortunate to be able to open in a place like Marie Beth that already has a lot of foot traffic and reputation. And so I had sort of quickly figured out, well, I'm going to need to upgrade to a much larger machine. And that is honestly also something I had figured out in the process of running the numbers around what was going to make the business work and what kind of capacity was I going to need to justify the expense of investing in all the equipment. And so I also picked up Carpigiani 502, which has a 20 quart capacity, and that translates to about eight to 12 quarts of liquid mix at a time. And in a day, comfortably, I can run three or four of those batches. And each batch is, I'm going to be able to pull out something like, I've been doing a lot of half pints, so 30 half pints or so. Wow. So it's still all you and all making it. And where is your kitchen that you're making it in? So I am working out of the original kitchen at Marie Bet, which is on the lower level of their Rose Hill facility. They outgrew the space and are mostly working in a larger production facility down the street. So you're renting space in a commercial kitchen, basically. Exactly. Yeah. But with and your own equipment? With my own equipment. Yeah. And I was really lucky. You know, the thing about ice cream equipment that some people will know is that it has these very specific requirements, like three phase electricity, for example. And so I started looking at commissary kitchens and then pretty quickly figured out that it was going to be really tough to find a space with the power and space requirements that I really needed. And so I got really lucky that they were able to offer me a space. Well, that seems like a natural fit. I mean, did you go into that space really because of the space? And then they said, oh, let us put it in our freezer. It was kind of a simultaneous, they're good friends of mine and we had been talking about it for a while and it was sort of a one thing led to another and then it ended up being kind of a natural fit on both fronts. Oh, that sounds so fortuitous. Yeah. So this is another origin story question for you, really. It's two parts. How did you land on wanting to be an ice cream queen? How did you land on that as, as the work you're doing now? This is a third act for me. I spent about a decade as the head of program design at the United Way in the city where I moved to Charlottesville from. And then I spent a few years where my primary focus was on the kids. I have a six-year-old and an eight-year-old. And I knew that I wanted to go back to work when my youngest started kindergarten. COVID, of course, as it did for everyone, made that equation a little bit complicated. And I knew that when I went back, I was hoping to have the opportunity to build something. The thing that I really loved about my last job was the chance to build something from scratch, to come up with the idea and to take it from execution all the way through scaling and refining it. And that was an experience I really wanted to have again. And I really love ice cream. <laughs> and I think that Charlottesville, I just thought that there was room in the market for good local ice cream. And I love to cook. It's always been something that was a part of my identity, but it's never been front and center. And so it's been a lot of fun to figure this out. And the other thing I would say is that 
Ice cream is a thing that really makes people happy. That's honestly a part of it too. I think it's been a little bit disarming and really charming. A lot of times when I will share with people that I do ice cream, they want to tell me about their favorite ice cream memories or a happy story or their favorite flavor. And it's just a really wonderful moment to have. And so I feel really lucky to get to have a lot of those moments in my day these days. Oh, that's really lovely. I like that too. Ice cream moments are just, that sounds very special. Yeah. So I see a lot of ice cream happening in and around Virginia, and a good bit of it is being sold by the scoop at like some kind of a walk-up window or into a retail space. You started by selling wholesale. Can you talk about that decision? Like why, or was it just fortuitous? Yeah. Well, so there were a couple of reasons. And on a side note, I think I would love to see Virginia become like an ice cream destination up there with wine. I think that would be the coolest thing. And it would make sense. (laughs) (laughs) So I love it that there's this sort of ecosystem of people who are all trying to figure out different angles of this thing. I think it's really cool. But the reason I started with wholesale, so a couple. One is that one of the things that I learned from my days back doing program design is that the first thing you do is just kind of plug into the community and just kind of listen. You figure out what people want, what they're responding to. And I think that wholesale offers a really interesting way to do that. You know, at the moment, Sugar Bear Ice Cream is for sale in, I think it's five different locations. And so there are slightly different customers that are going to each of those locations. And so it's interesting and revealing to see who's ordering what, what's the feedback, how many units are moving, what does that mean, how can I translate that into my plan for the future. And then I think part of it too is that I really just am not that interested in having a scoop shop. I think I came into this wanting to keep it simple and creative and collaborative. And I think that I may revisit that at some point in the future, but I'd love to do it in kind of a not traditional way. You know, I got really excited at one point. Somebody said, oh, this space might be available where you can use, it was at a bank, an old bank drive-through. He said, oh, you might be able to use the deposit tubes to send pipes through. And I was like, oh, that would be amazing. That might change my mind if I could do something. (laughs) But I'm just in wait and see mode. We'll see how it goes. I feel like you can make happy ice cream memories, just picking up a pint and eating it at home or taking it to a park or on a picnic, lots of different ways to do it. And I love the simplicity of just being able to go in the kitchen and have a lot of freedom to focus on the ice cream and not necessarily need to worry about the other logistics that come with Scoop Shop. And then I would also say that I was very aware as I was in the planning stages of this, we are coming out of COVID and all the hiring difficulties that everyone was having. And I was like, I'm not going to worry about that right out of the gate if I can avoid Mm it. I'd like to kind of get on my feet first and see how it goes. Yeah, they're two different animals, I think. When you're running a scoop shop, you're running a restaurant. It's a location, it's the interior design, it's the staffing, and then you have to get the foot traffic. It's a whole different way to market your business, I think. Yeah, I totally agree. And this was also a way to start in a really lean way and not have to worry so much about the overhead connected to the design and infrastructure of a scoop shop. So this was sort of a quick way to get started too. Yeah, you said something earlier that I thought was interesting about scale and price and that when you went from three-quart machine to, I think you said 20-quart machine, Mm -hmm. that it started to make more sense Mm -hmm. financially. And it's like, you'd have to do a lot of the same actions (laughs) to get to make three quarts, but at the end, you only have like 10 pints to sell. (laughs) 
Yeah. And it was really because, I mean, I was having fun. It is one of my favorite things to do, but it was also not a particularly sustainable pace, just running batch after batch, after batch, after batch. And it wasn't very efficient. And especially with the wholesale focus, my margins are a bit smaller than they would be otherwise. And so to produce things at volume is also a thing that just makes sense in this particular equation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No matter how you do it, food has very slim margins, quite frankly, ingredients, especially in the craft area, ingredients are expensive and labor is a big piece of it. So that leads me to ask about that ice cream school. Did you go to anything like that? Did you do any kind of training? I did. I did a couple actually. So the first one I went to was put on by Carpigiani, one of the big manufacturers of a lot of the machines. I went to their facility in High Point, North Carolina, which was really helpful because I got a chance to look at all the different machines, got a chance to practice on them. Felt a little bit like walking into an episode of Top Chef for anyone who used to watch that show. We had (laughs) access to this giant commercial kitchen and all the ingredients. It was really a lot of fun. And then I also went to the ice cream short course at Penn State, which was absolutely incredible. It's a week-long course and you learn absolutely everything about the ins and outs of the ice cream business. You visit a dairy bar and you hear from a chemistry professor about the chemistry of ice cream, about the physics of it. It sort of runs the gamut and it's a very intense training. It gives you that kind of technical grounding where you can calculate an ice cream recipe, understanding the components of the milk and the cream in a really different way. Wow. That sounds really like you did some planning before you jumped in. Yeah. And I also took a small business class through this great organization in Charlottesville called the Community Investment Collaborative. And that was really helpful in helping me to think through the marketing and the budget and all the different aspects of getting a business going and also tied me into a network of people who have been incredibly helpful in helping me get started. So is that connected to TomTom? No, not that I am aware of anyway. Anyway. You sparked something when you said the investment collaborative. And I thought, oh, there's a lot going on in Charlottesville, actually. Yeah, yeah, there is. It's a great place. So I have to ask you about the name Sugar Bear. Where did that come from? Oh, gosh. So I played with lots and lots of different names before I landed on Sugar Bear. And the reason that it stuck and felt like the right name is we lived in California for 14 years before moving back to Charlottesville. I met my husband in undergrad at UVA. And I was trying to think of symbols that kind of tied the two places together. And there's the bears in California and there's the brown bears in Virginia. And I also wanted something that would sort of evoke a vintage children's book illustration. I just had this really strong image in my mind of the feelings that ice cream brings up for a lot of people. And I think there's a lot of nostalgia and joy tied to ice cream. And so that's how I ended up with the logo that's a bear holding a balloon, eating an ice cream cone. Well, it's adorable. You're wearing a t-shirt with it on right now. And I thought it was really cute. So I just had to know, because it does remind me of like an older stuffed animal or a child's best friend or something like that. So not that you would be best friends with a bear, (laughs) a live bear. (laughs) Maybe distracted eating ice cream. I don't know. But yeah, my my kids really like the name too. They refer to it as Shuggy. So it's a a lot of pet names in our house. Also, it's kind of why I liked it because it's a little bit like a pet name too. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, Yeah. that sounds so nice. Well, if the kids approve, that's good. Yeah, they were an important focus group of two. So it sounds like you did a lot of groundwork before you did your startup and you formed some really nice partnerships. You're already just a few months in and you're already in a few retail shops. It sounds like you're off to a good start. But when you think about your brand five years from now, Mm -hmm. 
right now. That doesn't mean you have to commit to it this moment, but what do you see when you think sugar bear ice cream in 2027? So, wow, that feels like light years away. I think it would be really cool if sugar bear was a brand that was kind of woven into the community in Charlottesville among the other brands that people know and one that people had a lot of happy memories tied to and that it was an option that they thought of when they wanted to go celebrate something or take care of someone or feel better after a bad day. I think that that is the vision. That's what I'm trying to build. And I think to get there, I'm going to need to get into more places. And I hope that the collaboration will continue. I really, really love finding a new ingredient to use and it's really fun to play with and it comes out well and it's fun to share it. And I love when people reach out to me and say, Hey, have you considered trying this? And I just hope to do more and more of that. I think this is a creative outlet of something that's really meaningful for me. And yeah, I'm kind of open to the possibilities. Well, that's a nice vision, actually, to be like a strong regional brand. That is a modest ambition for five years. And I think it sounds completely doable. When you think about that and the capacity that you're going to have to produce to become that, Mm -hmm. how big do you think you would be? How many people or staff or what do you think would happen? That is a great question. (laughs) 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 One that I am figuring out real time at the moment. Like the big question of what is month two, month three is like, what is my actual limit for what I can do on my own? I feel like I'm getting there a little more quickly than I thought that I would. Yeah. Growth is sometimes a double-edged sword, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It kind of spun me around a little bit, but I mean, in a good way to be clear, but yeah, I am not really sure what the staffing will look like. I know at the top of my dream list month, June is a dishwasher. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I could just hire a dishwasher right now. And I think too, with the wholesale focus that at some point in the not too distant future, I'm going to need to figure out the deliveries thing. Yeah. It's just the logistics of getting a certain number of units from one place to another. Right now I can do it on my own and it's doable, but I can see the date in the future where that math is going to change. Yeah. I work with a handful of cold and frozen brands right now. And I have to tell you delivery is a bit real piece of the puzzle, particularly with gas right now. It's a oh real piece. Gosh, I can feel it coming. <laughs> no. So we're going to dial the clock back to this year. I had you looking so far ahead. Yeah. But what's next for you in the immediate future? Yeah. So my approach has been to try a lot of different flavors and see what people respond to with a goal of over time, narrowing down the list to sort of the greatest hits and then always having a few fun pop-up creative experimental flavors on the side. And I feel like I'm getting close to having the information I need to kind of make that call as far as narrowing down the list. So that is definitely one thing that's on the horizon for me. Another thing that is at the top of my list at the moment is sort of figuring out the sales strategy. So where do I want to go next and what is getting there look like? And then just kind of doing a push with marketing and getting the word out generally so that people are aware that Sugar Bear is here, where they can get it and that kind of thing. So those are kind of the short-term top of mind things. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, you have started your ice cream business right as ice cream season is ramping up and July is National Ice Cream Month. So there's tons of ice cream things going on. Have you thought about the colder months yet? Yeah. So I actually 
like the idea of the colder months. I'm completely fine with the sugar bear going into hibernation for a bit. Well, now we'll see if that actually ends up happening or not. But to have some months, especially in the first year, to kind of figure out what worked, what didn't work, where I want to go next, what I need to do to get there will be, I think, really valuable. Mm -hmm. Talking to some other people in the ice cream world, they've said things do tend to get pretty quiet in early November and then January, February, March are pretty quiet too. And December, I have heard, can get pretty busy and active with holiday flavors and people wanting to get ice cream for different gatherings and that kind of thing. So expecting to maybe have a small burst of activity around then, but to otherwise use those months to just kind of focus on other things. If I can, we'll see. It's, mm -hmm. This is all new. So I don't know. <laughs> Well, it's okay to set your own pace, you know, and say, here's the boundary, especially your one. And yeah. if you're in real partnerships and communicating with your retailers, that yeah. it's okay to do all that. So is there anything else that you feel like you'd like to share right now? No, I think, thank you for reaching out to me. I appreciate the opportunity. And I was telling my husband, the concept reminds me of how I built this. If you've ever heard that. Oh yeah. Yeah. But it's like how I'm building this. I was sort of joking. It's like how I'm building this, but without any hindsight yet. <laughs> so maybe I'll listen to this later in the year and look back and laugh on what I thought my plans would be. We'll see, but yeah, no, thank you for reaching out. I really appreciate that this platform is out there. So I'll stay in touch with you via email and then we'll circle back for another in-person conversation in about three months to see how things are going. But in the short term, let's do a little bit of that marketing for you. Where can listeners find you? What's your Instagram handle? Could you name the physical locations beyond Mary Bet and your web address? Sure. So my Instagram handle is at sugarbearseville. My website is www.sugarbearseville.com. And at the moment, you can buy Sugar Bear products at Marie Bet, at Feast, at Vitae Spirits Downtown Tasting Room. I'm doing some special collaborations with them using their products. And also as of yesterday at Greenwood Grocery out in Crozet. Well, that's great. Well, you sparked my interest though. I'm going to have to ask you about this Vitae Spirits <laughs> collaboration. What are you doing right now with that? That sounds interesting. It's really fun because I really enjoy playing with spirits and ice cream. I think they're a really fun thing to work with and having a partner like Vitae with the tasting room makes a lot of that experimentation possible and their products are really fantastic. So what we're doing right now is offering ice cream sandwiches that use their products and that are also made with macarons from Bowerbird Bake Shop. And so I think the flavors they have at the moment, there's a spiced rum milk punch there's a rum vanilla coffee. And I just made some more yesterday with a maple cream liqueur. Oh, That's really tasty. So the idea is that you can have sort of a nice cold bite in the summertime when you're in there tasting their products. Oh, and with the macaron, that sounds delightful. They already have kind of a crispy, chewy. Hmm? Mm. Yes. Oh, you've Perfect. totally distracted me now. What were we doing? <laughs> <laughs> so... Well, that sounds like a road trip, I think, down to Vitae Spirits. Well, I am going to wrap this up and let you go. But as I said, we'll stay in touch over the next three months, you know, communicate back and forth via email, and then we'll set a date to talk again and check in on your progress. And three months from now, you'll be looking forward to those winter months and maybe have a plan for that in place. And we'll talk about it and see how it's going. That sounds great. Thank you. I'm looking forward to it. This is really fun. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for listening. 
And if you want to learn more about how to grow your own food brand, then click on Grow My Brand at vafoodie.com. If you're a lover of local food, then be sure to follow us. We're at VA Foodie on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Join the conversation and tell us about your adventures with good food, good people, and good brands. Thank you.